0: Welcome on in to the Double Check Podcast. I am Colin. And I am Brett. And we are so grateful that you are here joining us, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure that you rate, comment, and subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating. Come on, man. Don't be a hater. Uh, How's your weekend going so far, Brett?
1: My weekend is good. Lots of Christmas activities for me and my family today. We went and looked at some Christmas lights in the town that we live in and it was awesome the guy he owns a big house he puts out all these different lights and he opens it up on the weekends doesn't charge us anything he actually stands out there 3 or 4 hours a night friday saturday and sunday shakes everyone's hand and tells them merry christmas that that was that was cool
0: that's pretty cool yeah i was actually pretty stoked uh, on the way driving over here I noticed, like, because we had our Christmas lights up on our house. You actually helped us with this, uh, like, a month ago. So we had them up kind of early, but gradually the other houses on our block had been putting up their Christmas lights, too, and, like, our neighbors just put theirs, like, our direct neighbors right next to us just put theirs up today. And so I was driving out, and I was like, man, we have, like, a I, I literally said to myself, we have a Christmas neighborhood oh, because oh. there was, like, so many, like, at least seven or eight houses from my house to the end of the block that had, like, really elaborate Christmas decorations up, inflatables and all this kind of stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But did
1: they get up on a two-story roof?
0: (laughs) Some of them did. Okay. Some of them them have, like, the – some of them didn't. Some of them have it just, like, on the – what do you call it? The trellis, whatever it is that, like – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like, a porch outline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind kind of like that. But then some of them, just like us, have it up – for, for those of you listening, Brett and I risked our lives for our yes, Christmas decorations we this did. year. <laughs> I never
1: felt more alive than in that moment.
0: <laughs> we um, we climbed up onto a sub-roof on our uh, storage unit because we didn't have a full extension ladder. We have a pretty high roof, two stories. And then we put a step ladder on the sub-roof and climbed up onto the the actual roof from there. And, and
1: uh, all of the people that do construction are just so mad at us right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. To take them down, I am going to go to uh, Lowe's or something and rent, like, the actual extension ladder yeah. to, to take them off safely. But it was, it was quite an experience. It,
1: that is one way to put it.
0: Well, that's a great segue, though, into what we're going to be talking about today because we both have some theses about Christmas. And uh, are you here for this, Brett? Yeah, I'm ready.
1: I'm ready to talk about Christmas stuff. We got three weeks worth of Christmas, and that'll take us up to Christmas Eve, which is going to be awesome.
0: All right. Yeah, it is going to be awesome. And I believe I am calling the coin flip today. Yes,
1: and I have our quarter. It is a quarter about uh, the great state of Louisiana.
0: Funny story. I actually, in my pocket, had a quarter uh, from the great state of Georgia. And as I got into the car, it fell out of my pocket. And so I reached underneath the seat to try and grab it, and I felt the quarter, pulled it out, and it was that quarter from Louisiana. So I'm like, oh, I just had an extra quarter under my seat, and now there's another one that, under my seat that I'm sure I'll find at a later date. But That you'll
1: need whenever you want a drink or something. Right, exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yep. All right, so I'm going to call Tails again. All right,
1: here we go. Flip up.
0: And it is Tails. Uh, Tails never fails. Um, I am going to defer, though, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, let you go first here.
1: All right, I teased it last week. I said that I was going to go all in with a hot take on one of our favorite Christmas traditions. Well, some of us, our favorite Christmas traditions. Before I get into this, let me just say, I was at dinner with my in-laws today. And I gave them a preview of what I was going to talk about. And I told them, and the table erupted. Everyone was so mad at me. (laughs) So I think that our audience may get angry with me. Send us emails. Keep it civil, though. We can have a good discussion. But I told you last week I'm going to make a hot take. There's no theological reasons for this. There's no biblical reasons, just the pure, unadulterated opinion of yours truly. There's one thing so many people love to do this time of year, and that is sing carols, whether it be going out in the neighborhood with a group of carolers or you belting out Mariah Carey in your car. Look over at the stoplight, and the guy next to you is doing it too. Well, kudos to you, Guy, because I saw you there the other day. Most of us enjoy singing our Christmas songs, whether they be sacred or secular. We enjoy singing them this time of year. I'm right there with you, except for one song, the most annoying, ridiculous, and useless Christmas song that should never be uttered again, The Little Drummer Boy. Here are my six reasons why The Little Drummer Boy is the bona fide worst Christmas song in the history of all history. Number one, Barum Pum 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 doesn't even sound like a drum. And maybe this is just me as a former music teacher, but if I were going to use an automatopoeia to replicate the sound of a drum, I would not go with Barum Pum Pum Pum. I would go with like a tick sound, ta-ta-ta-ta-ta, or some kind of hard pa pu- pa pu- pu- like B sound, but ba-rum-bum-bum-bum, that doesn't even sound percussive at all. So I don't know who came up with that onomatopoeia, but it stinks. Number two, a majority of the lyrics are the sounds, the onomatopoeia, that don't even sound like the drum. If you count up all the words or all the like faux words in the whole song, like fifty percent of them are just people saying bum bum bum, not even whenever he's supposedly pay- playing his drum. So half of it is just completely useless to begin with. All right, here's number three. Take away the drum sounds, and it's not even a good story. So if I take out the bum 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 or bum 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 or whatever you want to call it, it sounds like maybe twelve lines. Come, they told me a newborn king to see. Our finest gifts we bring, to lay before the king, so to honor him when we come. Little baby, I'm a poor boy too, I have no gift to bring that's fit to give our king. Shall I play for you? Mary nodded. The oxen limb kept time. I played I mean there's nothing poetic about anything in this song once you take the barumpum bum bums away. I think a third grader could have written this. Number four, you wouldn't play a drum for a small child, and Mary would not allow this for her baby. So first off, who thinks that it's a good idea to go up to a newborn child and play a drum in their ear? And second off, it makes no sense that a caring mother like Mary most certainly is—I mean, I never met Mary, but— there's good indication that she's a good person, okay? And good people don't let people come up to their baby and play a loud drum in their ear. This is completely unrealistic. And I know it didn't really happen, but it's not realistic at all. He could easily just sing a lullaby or something else. And I, I brought this point up and someone was like, well, what if, what if he couldn't sing? Literally, anyone's voice would be better than playing a drum. I mean, come on. So if you ask that question, Colin, I've already answered it. Literally anything is better than playing the drum. Number five, an ox and a lamb would not be able to keep time. I have never seen any animal be able to march or tap or play in time with any kind of music. That's just—that's beyond their capability. And the last thing I checked, the only miracle that night was Jesus being born— and I could see, Colin, right now, other miracles, things that were appeared, but I'm talking about right there in that moment in the manger. Jesus being born, not animals taking on higher states of consciousness. Finally, number six, Jesus' smile at the end of the song was surely just a mistaken grimace from the loud booming sounds. Either that or he was taking care of some of his business, if you know what I mean. Right? There's no way that a, a, a child that is newborn— has loud sounds played in their ear, and then they smile about it. That is just completely against the, the laws of nature. So I hope I ruined this song for a lot of you. It is legitimately the worst Christmas song in the history of the world, and I dare you to change my mind. Out.
0: All right. <laughs> well, uh, these these mics are not droppable, but I feel like you would have had to drop the mic um, with that one. But well, I, I'm not going
1: to drop a mic because that would mean damaging good equipment.
0: Yeah, I'm not a heathen. Okay, okay. Um, I do have some questions for you, though. So the, the point of your thesis here is that this is the most annoying, ridiculous, useless Christmas song should never be uttered again. It's the worst Christmas song in the history of history, and I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. So uh, I know that's a logical fallacy. Let, let's let's go through your, your list here. So, first of all, you talk about the lyrics. pa pum pum doesn't sound like a drum. The majority of the lyrics, I mean, the, these first three are kind of all one one real point when you look at it. Like, the, the, the onomatopoeia doesn't actually sound like a drum. The, the majority of the lyrics are sounds that don't sound like a drum. And if you take away the drum sound, it's not even a good story. Well, let's talk about the story here for a second. Right. Okay, So, the lyrics of the story are uh, Jesus is born in the manger. Yep. Uh, they, they all come to visit him, and this, this poor boy doesn't have any gifts to bring him, so he plays him his drum. Yep, That's the premise of the song. Um, and uh, to go along with that, kind of uh, one of the things you said in, in your point four is that you could just easily sing a lullaby. Well, in preparation for this, I actually did some research on uh, the Little Drummer Boy. The Little Drummer Boy actually is derived from a Czech lullaby. So it actually does kind of have that same element in the song. But going back to the main point of your thesis that this is the worst Christmas song in the history of history, the lyrics tell a story of something that is happening on the night that Jesus was born. So I guess my first question, Brett, is what do we celebrate at Christmas? What is the real point of Christmas?
1: Christmas, The point of Christmas is that Jesus was
0: born. Okay. And when we have Christmas songs that don't even mention Jesus, they talk about Rudolph and Santa and elves and all these other silly little pointless, uh, useless, ridiculous things. How can a song that talks about Jesus be worse than that?
1: Because if you're going to include Jesus, let's at least make it somewhat realistic. You're It's like... Yeah, the secular Christmas songs, at least they're secular and people know that they're secular. But this song is it's, you know, it has Christmas like actual Christmas elements to it with Jesus being born. But then it's obviously not true. So why are we even why are we even tainting and messing with this? Why are we tainting the Christmas story with something? I mean, if we're going to do secular, let's do secular. And if we're going to do sacred, then let's do sacred. Mixing them two, this is what you get.
0: Okay, so the because in your mind this is, story is not realistic, even though it is about the birth of the Messiah, the Savior, that makes it worse than songs that don't even acknowledge the Savior.
1: I don't see why not. I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't expect every. I mean, there. Let's just not everyone celebrates. Christmas as the actual birth of the Messiah, right? Sure. Let's go ahead and give it give it to everyone. And I know that people don't celebrate – the people that don't celebrate Christmas as the actual coming of the Messiah, I don't mind that they actually celebrate it for its like good intentions, right? The season of graciousness and the season of gift-giving, even though there's all sorts of things that play into that with commercialism and crap like that. But if you take it at its root, like the the idea of giving gifts is a good idea, right? So I don't – I'm not opposed to this, these secular ideas going into Christmas because I think that it it is a a beacon of light of what the actual Christmas story is. But let's not take that and then apply it to what the actual Christmas story is and then start to – Diminish the actual source of the light.
0: Okay. Um, my next line of questioning here is about uh, your main point in 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 uh, your fourth uh, reason uh, why why you don't care for this song is that you wouldn't play a drum for a small child and that Mary would never allow this for her baby. Well, I'm no expert, but. I think a drum is a percussion instrument, and I think the sound it makes is dependent upon the force with which the face of it is struck. Is that right? Yeah. And so if it's struck softly, it will make a soft sound.
1: Yeah, it will.
0: So obviously this is kind of just a a hypothetical because we have no evidence that this, this story actually took place on the night that Jesus was born, but... If this little drummer boy showed up and was like, hey, Mary, can I play a song for your baby? And Mary was like, all right, man, but you got to play it soft. Wouldn't it be possible for him to do that? It would be possible, but let's talk about the kind of
1: drumming that people like to listen to, (laughs) okay? Let's assume that he did that. If he plays it super soft, it's going to stink, all right? People listen to drums. They listen to drum lines so that it's loud and boomy and you can feel it, right? So let's assume that he plays it soft. Well, maybe she would allow it, and number four is is not applicable anymore. Let's sub number four and say that soft drumming is not pleasurable to listen to, and it's just annoying. If you're going to go for it, you got to go for it.
0: Okay. I guess my last question here, I know that you kind of did touch on this, but you said the only miracle that night was Jesus being born. I seem to recall the shepherds in the field having an angel appear to them and say, hey, there's a baby over here. I seem to recall some magi in the east seeing this star, star that was moving, uh, leading them to where he was and then stopping over the house where he okay, was. I'll give you that. Uh, I mean
1: – Whenever I whenever I said that, whenever I, whenever I uh, said that out loud right then, I saw your pen starting to go and I said <laughs> – Well, crap, I've done it here because, (laughs) yes, there were other miracles that happened that night. Okay, there were – I concede that part of my argument was flawed (laughs) and I should have never said it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think that I'm going to change your mind. You have very strong opinions about this. Uh, But I just – you know, to me – The story may be implausible, but a song – and the lyrics may be repetitive. Honestly, this is my wife's favorite Christmas song. She loves this song. I know.
1: And so many people do. My mother-in-law, it's her favorite Christmas song.
0: Right. Well, to me, it's it's not my favorite, but to me, any song uh, that, that is considered a Christmas song that actually tells or acknowledges the actual story of Christmas, that's better than Santa and Frosty and all that garbage. I get it.
1: And I listen in preparation for getting super upset and 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 trying to turn on uh, my anger engine. I listen to lots of different versions of the song. Number one, the original version, the choral version, still stinks. <laughs> Number two, I think that people have done some very creative things with this song. And I don't hate it. I Like, I legitimately hated it whenever I started writing this. I still don't think it's great. Like... Intellectually, like my logical processes, I still think think it's a terrible song. But I do have to say I have bumped it in my car a couple times just to enjoy it. Not the original version because it still stinks. All right. Well, uh, where are you going next, Brett? All right. So I uh, will actually get back to things that benefit us actually thinking about life. And I'm going to go into – Lit, like liturgical elements of church services, and how Christmas time we bring those back out. I think that points to something deeper that's going on in our spirit than we even realize.
0: So right. that's where I'm going to go. Excellent.
1: All right, what do you got for us, Colin?
0: All right, well, I'm going to talk about what day is Christmas this year. It falls on a Tuesday, but every year. Uh, We celebrate it on December 25th. And each year at Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But it may be somewhat disturbing to discover that much of what we've been taught about the Christmas season seems to be more about tradition than truth. And it isn't only Santa Claus and Rudolph and Frosty and all that stuff that's the result of myth and legends of the season. Even the day that it's observed has roots colored by pagan myths. Now, most serious Bible students realize that Jesus was probably not born on December 25th. The shepherds had their flocks in open field, which implies a date prior to October. And he was born during a decreed census, and no competent Roman administrator would require registration involving travel during a season when Judea was generally impassable. But if Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, well, just when was he born? And although the Bible doesn't explicitly identify the birthday of our Lord, many scholars have developed diverse opinions as to the likely birthday of Jesus. And I'd like to discuss just a few of these today. Now, the year of Jesus' birth is sometimes accepted as 4 BC, primarily from conclusions derived by uh, Josephus' recording of an eclipse, which was assumed to be on March 13th of 4 BC, shortly before Herod died. But there are some problems with this rendering. For one, multiple other historians date that eclipse as having occurred on December 29th of 1 BC. Second, Uh, We know that considerable time elapsed between Jesus' birth and Herod's death since the family fled to Egypt to escape Herod's edict, and they didn't return until after Herod died. Furthermore, it's recorded that Herod died on January 14th of 1 A.D. So the majority of historical evidence points to 4 B.C. being just a little too early. Now, Tertullian, who was born in 160 A.D., He recorded that Augustus began to rule 41 years before the birth of Jesus, and he died 15 years after that event. Well, we know that Augustus died on August 19th of 14 AD, which would place Jesus' birth at about 2 B.C. Tertullian also notes that Jesus was born 28 years after the death of Cleopatra in 30 B.C., which is consistent with the date of 2 B.C. Irenaeus, who was born about a century after Jesus, also notes that the Lord was born in the 41st year of the reign of Augustus. Since Augustus began his reign in the autumn of 43 B.C., this also appears to substantiate the birth being in 2 B.C. Eusebius, the father of church history, ascribes Christ's birth to the 42nd year of the reign of Augustus and the 28th from the subjection of Egypt on the death of Anthony and Cleopatra. Well, the 42nd year of Augustus ran from the autumn of 2 BC to the autumn of 1 BC, and the subjugation of Egypt into the Roman Empire occurred in the autumn of 30 BC, the 28th year extended from the autumn of 3 BC to the autumn of 2 BC. So the only date that would meet both of those constraints would be the autumn of 2 BC. And there's even ways that scholars have tried to figure out the specific date in the autumn when Jesus was born from the events surrounding his cousin. And by tracking back to identify when John the Baptist's father was serving as a priest, figuring out when Elizabeth became pregnant and gave birth, and then tracking six months later, they arrive at a specific date. But even without all of that, given some biblical and historical evidence, the strongest case can be made for sometime in September in the year 2 B.C. So why is December 25th the day that Christ's birth is observed today? Well, the early Christian church did not even celebrate Jesus' birth, and therefore the exact date has not been preserved in festivals. The first recorded mention of December 25th is in the calendar of Philocallus in 354 A.D., which assumed that Jesus' birth was Friday, December 25th, 1 A.D., When the Emperor Constantine legalized Christianity by the Edict of Toleration in 312 A.D., and eventually when his successors declared Christianity as the state religion of the Roman Empire, the persecuted Christians exchanged the rags of hiding for the silks of the court. And the predictable expediency to adopt the inevitable cultural changes caused many of the former pagan rituals to be adapted to their new Christian, quote, unquote, Trappings. And the date of December 25th, which was officially proclaimed by the Church Fathers in 440 AD, was actually a vestige of the Roman holiday of Saturnalia, which was observed near the winter solstice. But may I say, while it's clear that December 25th is not the correct date, and while I do intend to talk in the future about some of the pagan traditions that have influenced our Christmas celebrations today, I would like to conclude this thesis by saying that the exact date of Jesus' birth ultimately doesn't really matter. But the fact that he was born truly does matter. It matters because it shows God's faithfulness to keep his promises. He promised to bring forth a Redeemer, and he did, you see. It matters because it shows God's incarnation in human flesh, making him capable to experience what we experience and to redeem human sins. It matters because it shows that God humbled himself, took the form of a servant, and came to seek out and save us when we were lost. The birth of Jesus truly matters, beloved, and I invite you not to lose sight of that this Christmas season.
1: Excellent. I... Looked up, or I was trying to look up some different theories on the birth of Jesus, and I didn't find any convincing that did not say fall or early fall. Um, So I'm not going to go there. I'm going to focus in on one statement that you said, which was I would like to conclude this thesis by saying that the exact date of Jesus' birth ultimately doesn't matter. Okay, so taking our lead. From Old Testament, which places a emphasis on certain holidays happening at certain times and those continuing to be recognized at those times why is why do we not apply this now to Jesus' birth if we consider this a holiday like that is that is something that's set up for us in in history prior to Christ. Why, why not think that that's important now?
0: It's a good question. Uh, I have a couple of thoughts on that. Number one, the the, the holidays that were celebrated uh, by Israel in the Old Testament were God ordained holidays. He commanded them for their seven festivals. You know, the Passover, the Feast of Weeks, the the Day of Pentecost, uh, and all the the fall celebrations as well, with the Day of Atonement and Rosh Hashanah, and all those kinds of things. Those were ordained by God and commanded by God to the people of Israel. And he said, you have to celebrate it at this specific time. But in the culture of Judaism, in regards to uh, uh, birthdays, they didn't celebrate prophets' birthdays. They honored prophets' death days. That's why it's so significant that Elijah didn't die, that he was taken up in a whirlwind because they don't have a death day and they expect him to return in concordance with, with the Messiah's return. But so that in terms of a prophet being born, they don't care what day he was born. And my other thought is when you get to the New Testament, Paul talks about, you know, observing certain days and things like that. And he says, you know, you're free to do that. Just don't make a big thing of it. Like, don't insist on it. Like, if you want to observe, you know, September 4th from 2 B.C. as Jesus' birthday, have at it. Man, you know, have a great time celebrating Christmas in September. Who cares? If you want to do it on December 25th, have at it. it. It doesn't ultimately matter. And if somebody doesn't want to celebrate it that day, if somebody doesn't, like in our house, our family, we observe Passover. Right now we're in the middle of observing Hanukkah. We, uh, you know, we do uh, celebrate those birthdays. But I, we don't insist that other people do that too because it doesn't have any bearing uh, on our salvation.
1: I talked about the Christian flag a couple weeks ago,
0: mm-hmm. uh, and
1: what I was talking about was trying to remove Christianity from America because I thought that uh, America had influenced the symbol of Christianity. And I thought that it was wise for us to separate ourselves from that influence to to make sure that we are uh, definitively Christian and not intermingled with a nation state. What if I said that I have the same feeling about December 25th, since it came from pagan tradition, that we've intermingled this Christian date with, and I I don't care what date we do it, just as long as it's not a date that came from a a pagan tradition.
0: Okay. What's your response? My response is you can celebrate it any day you want. If you don't want to celebrate it December 25th, and you want to celebrate it September 25th from 2 BC, from 4 BC, whatever... That's fine. Like you are free to do that. You're free to celebrate it in any way. I think the point of my thesis is the Christmas celebration should be a remembrance of his birth. It should be a remembrance of uh, what the fact that he was born means for us. You know, it should be something that makes us want to go and play our drum for the little baby to take it back to uh, to your thesis there. But that's that's the whole point is like it doesn't matter what day you celebrate it on. If you if you think that it's wrong to celebrate it on December 25th, okay. Sure. Don't impose that on me cuz that's what we're going to do in my household because I get the day before and the day of off. So it's a, just a perfect it just lines up perfectly to celebrate. Um and it's a national holiday, which is another interesting thing that Christmas is a national holiday in the United States. Banks are closed. You know, the post office is closed, all that kind of stuff. So we can't I mean we're embedded in this culture and we can't remove it that way because that's the day that it is officially on the books doesn't mean you have to observe it that day but I'm, I'm going to
1: So where are you going to go next?
0: Well, I'm going to continue down this uh little bit of a rabbit hole um in talking about the the pagan Uh, traditions that have influenced our Christmas. You know, the the date of December 25th, coming from the the celebration of Saturnalia, that's really just the beginning. And I'm going to talk specifically more about some of those traditions in my next thesis, talk about the Yule Log and the Christmas tree and where they originated, and um, we'll have some fun with that.
1: And since you said Yule Log, whatever that is, that means that our time has come to a close. Any final thoughts?
0: No, uh, just happy Christmas season. It makes me joyous to see the lights up on my street. And um, it sounds pretty cool, that guy who's got a house. And uh, we hope you listening are going to enjoy your Christmas season, whatever your traditions are for it. Uh, Just make sure you take some time to remember the Savior. That's right.
1: Email us at at gmail.com. And have a very Merry Christmas. We'll see you back next week. See ya.